This episode is brought to you by Snapple. Want to know another Snapple fact? The first hot air balloon passengers were a sheep, a duck, and a rooster. Ridiculous. Check out Snapple.com to find ridiculously flavored Snapple near you. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello everyone, The Buccaneers Episode 5, Failed Betrayal is over, but we're just getting started. I'm expert log splitter Sarah Carradine, and I'm here with toasted marshmallow Geneva Guadalupe. Hey Geneva. Hi Sarah, I love marshmallows, but I've never eaten them out of a bowl before, um, only in usually in s'mores or I put them in my hot chocolate when it's cold. Ooh, lovely. How was your birthday? Did you have fun? You know, it was great. I I really enjoyed myself. I um, had all the free food and drinks. So I always usually go to Starbucks because usually it's only valid like on your birthday specifically. Um, There's some other really great places that offer different free things like Auntie Anne's. It's like a pretzel place. They give you a free pretzel. Um, Panera Bread. They give you like a free pastry. That's great. Um, I know Brack Max Brenner gives you a hot chocolate. You just reminded me because of the marshmallows going in the hot chocolate. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but oh, it was I'm good. Glad. It was good. Yeah. It was, oh, it was low key, but I had a great time. So we're recapping the Buccaneers week by week as the episodes drop with full spoilers for those episodes, but nothing ahead. You can watch the series on Apple TV Plus. Subscribe to the feed so you don't miss a minute of our coverage. Postshowrecaps.com slash Bridgerton or postshowrecaps.com slash Apple TV. And if you have a moment to rate and review our podcast, it makes a huge difference. Five stars only. Five stars only. What do you say we get to the headlines? Sounds good to me, Sarah. Episode five, Failed Betrayal. We and the gang are back in England. We're at Theo's house for Guy Fawkes Night, which Americans may not know. It's November the 5th. It's celebrated in England and the colonies with fireworks and the burning of the Guy, who is a dummy man made out of straw or rags, dressed in old clothes, who is burnt at the end of the night. Very exciting. In the old days, when I was a child, our dads would let fireworks off in the backyard. But because a couple of kids got injured, spoiling it for everybody else, now we have to go to public firework displays. Was Guy named right. after him? Well, it's interesting because they say we need to burn the Guy. Mm, guy. Mm, just a theory. I don't know. Mm, just a little theory, a plot of theory. There are no servants present at Theo's house. The house is empty of paintings and other decorative items. Guy says the house is being renovated and he has given the servants some days off. So they all chip in with the household duties. Nan and Guy chop wood. He notices he is strained but puts it down to him being in mourning for his mother. Lizzie and Ginny make marshmallow in the kitchen 
And Seden, of course, pops by to be rude to Lizzie. Spectacularly rude in the most subtle English way. It's it's kind of it's terrible, but it's kind of fantastic. Jean Hopely arrives. Remember her? We haven't seen her for four episodes. She was the woman that the Duchess of Tintangel wanted Theo to marry. Theo has invited her for this party weekend, saying that the invitation came from Guy. Guy finds Lizzie sitting on the floor of the kitchen with a bowl of marshmallow in her lap. This actress, Aubrey Ibrag, gamely tries to indicate eating it with a wooden spoon but fails. Matthew Broom, playing Guy, sits beside her and he also pretends to eat. You literally cannot hear the dialogue. So fascinating is it to watch two people who have clearly read about eating in a book but have never tried it in real life. Apparently what they were talking about was shame and Lizzie gets her groove back. And I must pause to point out this marvellous tartan outfit that she's wearing. Mm-hmm. Love it. Everybody goes to the hedge maze. The game is that the first one to find a torch hidden in the maze will be allowed to light the bonfire. Honoria and Mabel meet in the maze to flirt. A marvellous drone shot shows everybody rushing around the maze. Seden has instructed Ginny to wave a hanky so he can find her and they can get away together. But Lizzie confiscates the hanky and they run off to go and laugh in a rowboat. Nan and Guy speak through the hedge. He refers to his telegram. She responds, what telegram? So he rushes to find her but cannot because, you know, it's a maze. Nan and Conchita give up the game and they stroll in the gardens. Conchita is leaving Lord Richard's house but they will amicably co-parent Minnie. Remember Minnie, the plot control, uh, baby, the baby? She asks, what do you think the telegram said? And they talk about what love is. And it turns out they, like thousands before them, are unable to define it. Mabel and Honoria escape to a garden cottage to make out in white undergarments. And after their satisfactory make-out session, Mabel is mad because they can never be public about their relationship and she doesn't want to pretend. Mabel, it's 1870. I haven't got a lot of choice, girl, but see how you go. All the boys find Theo in the centre of the maze with the torch and we learn he always wins this game. We're starting to see Theo is not the perfect boy that we thought him to be and perhaps his relationship with Guy has some rivalry, bitter or otherwise, remains to be seen. Nan finds Theo to ask what was in the telegram and they have the sort of angry argument which readers and watchers of romance know will end in passionate kissing and so it does. She runs away from him straight into Theo, of course. Theo suggests a game of poker. He heavily implies that Guy might not want to play as he is broke and went specially to New York looking for a rich American wife. Bum, bum, bum. They all know the servants aren't just on leave. They are gone. The portraits are gone. The house is gone. We meet at the bonfire. It blazes a light. No one is happy. Nan tells Guy she feels betrayed by him. Ginny finds that Seden has locked her out of their bedroom and she slumps dejectedly at the door. She doesn't seem surprised, which gives us a lovely idea. Not some of the idea is not lovely, but it is a very nice way of showing us that, that this has been going on for a while. Theo and Guy drink together in a manly fashion. Theo offers to help him financially, but Guy refuses. 
As Theo finds Nan to tell her he loves her and doesn't want to lose her, and they kiss unerotically, I must say, Guy dramatically throws water onto the bonfire to quench the embers. End of episode. Wow, episode five. It took them five episodes, but they finally got there, Geneva. They did, but I just want to say that I do not like Theo at all. He's awful. Yes, he apologized <laughs> at the end, but that isn't enough. I don't know what kind of friend he is to Guy. Clearly not a friend at all. I just, I mean, clearly, you know, the actor who played Theo did it very well. But it frustrated me so much, so much. And I'm just like, you went so low because you are so jealous of your bestie. Which, you know, I guess I could see it where you you would be jealous of the person who kind of has more agency within their own life. Um, but I just, I, it just frustrated me so much how constantly, like, when they would be in some sort of space around either everyone or more specifically Nan, he would make it known, like, oh, yeah, I have basically more money than, um, you know, my buddy guy does. So that makes me cooler and that makes it worth it for me to uh, be with you. And, you know, you have money, too. So that's why we can play poker because we're cool like that. Um, oh, yeah, by the way, um, just so you know, um, Guy, you know, was coming for you really for the money, um, which I'm sure that was probably what happened in the beginning, right? When we saw that scene with, you know, the dad giving the ring, et cetera. And I think that's kind of connecting to that element of the story. But I think it's been pretty clear that, at least to me, that Guy actually fell for Nan. And so it's not really about that, is that he actually had strong feelings for Nan. But, you know, Guy was, you know, unfortunately in a situation where Theo was kind of maybe mentioning potentially the initial intention of why he ended up in New York in the first place. And that's why, you know, Guy and Nan had that initial interaction, but that's, that's just the, the main gist. I know we're going to continue to delve into this, Sarah, but I just had to say that because that was really, you know, kind of the root of what was frustrating for me specifically about Theo. Yes, and I think it's absolutely deliberate that for four episodes we've been saying, but Theo's so nice. You know, she's obviously very attracted to Guy, but she's also attracted to Theo, and we like Theo too. You know, he he looks wistfully as he walks along beaches. He paints. He doesn't really want to be a duke. He doesn't want the parties. So really she could have either of them. They're both wonderful in their very different ways. And here we see a very unappealing, unattractive side of, of Theo. And I think it's a perfect positioning here as we pass the halfway mark of the number of episodes that we start to turn on Theo in terms of our attraction to him before Nan does. So we now are waiting for her to find him out. And we must also remember that Guy knows her secret and still accepts her. Now, he did run away at first. And Theo does not know. So he apologised for not being himself. And I thought to myself, Theo, that that was you. You know, when people say, oh, that's not me. You go, uh, yes, it, it, it is you because you're the one, you're the one that, that did it. So I like, we did ask for a depth in there in the boys' relationship. And it really surprised me that it took this turn. But very satisfying that they have always had a rivalry. 
Theo always wins the maids race. He always gets the torch. He always wins poker when they play poker. As you say, he has more money uh, because he wasn't actively seeking a wife. He's much more attractive. All the girls want him. Uh, a duke is above a, a, a lord. So that I like very much. And then he confesses that he has always felt inferior to Guy. So it's a real push-pull between the two of them. It's unpleasant, but it rang true to me, this relationship. Yeah, and I could definitely see that as well. I think it was really interesting to kind of watch that dynamic and just kind of watch all of that, not only tension build up, but everything blow up. And I think because we've seen that and we've learned that Theo has this jealousy towards Guy, um, one aspect of, I guess, his fear was that maybe Guy would end up getting Nan. And so basically Theo has basically taken this whole situation and tried to sabotage any possibility of Nan being with Guy by literally, you know, um, in inviting an unwelcome guest um, to the household so that guy could supposedly maybe marry her instead. But it's just so awkward and uncomfortable. And what even made me more uncomfortable, Sarah, which I guess we might talk about this small exchange too, is the conversation where um, just how I feel like Theo was talking about the situation and how Nan was talking about the situation. And that caused obviously a lot of tension. And I think it seemed like Nan was like, uh, like what he just said was sickening and I'm not comfortable with that. Yeah. Yes. I mean, she is, she's getting clues, but she's not, she's not picking them up. And I think the devastation, because she has felt a strong attraction for Guy, I thought it was very funny when they were splitting logs that they reversed the genders where he, she reached behind him and held his, his arms to show him how to chop wood. It did a number of things, one of which is, you know, she's a down-to-earth American girl from Saratoga mm -hmm. and she has chopped wood before and Guy has clearly never in his life uh, chopped wood. But it's also that reverse of... The man showing the woman how to play pool, the man showing the woman how to how to golf, the man showing the woman how to paint, that he stands behind her closely holding her hands so she does it to him and the tension really sparkles. They are, they are so uncomfortable with each other because of this attraction uh, that, that we don't feel between Theo and, and Nan. Guy thinks she's received the telegram and has not answered it. Uh, so. That makes sense. Like there was something that made so much sense, so much more sense in this episode for all the characters. Uh, so I'm I'm starting to forgive the the bad writing and the plot contrivances, but we have some way to go. So I'm going to just hold back slightly. You mentioned Jean. I think this is interesting. She was established in the first episode. We didn't really talk much about her. She was the one that hoped to snare uh, Theo. Duke of Tintagel, and we had a, a meeting between her and her mother and the Duchess, uh, the mother of the Duke, and the Duke, which he left rudely. And she was the flower of the season. But, of course, she has now gone through a season without a marriage proposal and is at 18, you know, potentially very adjacent to the shelf. 
they give her a very unattractive hairstyle with a sort of hat of a braid sitting on top of her head and she looks sad. So there's a wonderful scene between her and Honoria, the two restrained, sad English women. Honoria feels very much for Jean. It's that idea of the outsiderdom that she herself has felt has been awoken by her, her dalliance with Mabel. I hope it's more than a dalliance. It may or may not be. And the idea that when the Americans first came, Honoria says, I thought we had to teach them how to behave and now I think they have much to teach us. So she's extending a hand of friendship to Jean. I don't think this is going to be a major plot, but I did like this little side moment of the two English girls talking about the Americans and one saying, yes, I too scorned them as too loud and and having no manners and now I wish I was like them. So I did like that scene very much. I agree. I really enjoyed it, Sarah. I think especially because, you know, I think usually I feel like when there's some sort of, you know, UK American parallels, I feel like there's always this sort of notion where the UK, like the people from, you know, Britain tend to maybe look down on the Americans or maybe have these preconceived notions about them because of certain stereotypes. And so it always kind of seemed, it's so seeming from the beginning, I wasn't really sure to how that would pan out. So I really did like the scene because it kind of shifted the narrative where, you know, Jean was basically taught to be one way and she had kind of been quiet and, you know, not really vocal about things and seeing the Americans who are more opinionated and open with how they feel and things of that sort, you know, it's something that she, I feel like has been able to kind of learn from observing. And I think too, when we've seen, I guess, these sorts of connections form um, with Nan and, you know, both guys and then, you know, Ginny with, you know, Seton and et cetera. Um, I feel like we've kind of seen, you know, or even Conchita, especially too, like you've seen those sorts of personalities shine, which have kind of also led to those relationships being where they are. Um, so I thought it was uh, nice to see that, especially considering I did, I did really feel bad for Jean because, you know, she also recognized, well, Guy didn't clearly invite me here. And then when she was like, oh, like, you know, take me on a stroll, like, you know, around the gardens. He's like, I'm too busy. I have things to do, but here's your room. Rude. <laughs> and the, I mean, the other nice thing here too is that I was glad that she got her own scene because she is also somewhat of a contrivance in that Nan hears Theo speak of Jean as an object, you know. I, mm-hmm. I didn't want her, but I'll pass her on to my friend. And Nan is is very off-put by this attitude that women are possessions, which, of course, they were, but she she rebels against that. And the other thing she rebels against is the idea that the women are going to go to the kitchen and the men are going to chop wood and she decides that Theo should go to the kitchen, she will chop wood. Theo does neither, uh, but <laughs> it does give us a scene. So the linking together of all these stories I thought was very successful. In the maze, it's this wonderful idea of a maze and who is where and, you know, you can hear someone or see someone but you can't get to them. It's a beautiful maze. These drone, they do, you know, have a good go at the drone shots. So they paid for that drone, Geneva, and they're going to jolly well use it. But Apple using the budget. Oh, yeah, Apple used the budget. Uh, and so we saw the pattern of the maze 
we saw the people running around it at first and then the women two by two escaped the maze by going under hedges and out uh, out unusual ways, uh, leaving all the men behind to compete with each other to find the torch, which in the end is, is kind of meaningless. What did you think of this breaking away into pairs of the women? Well, I, I found it... Um... I found it interesting. I guess also it kind of connects to, I feel like the women who essentially pair off, it makes sense. It relates to a lot of those friendships or connections that we have seen. Um, and especially when you're going through a maze and trying to navigate that, especially a maze that they weren't familiar with. So unfamiliar, that guy literally let them have a head start um, in the maze. I feel like it was, it kind of, it made sense to me and it was understandable that, you know, they like to have fun together, not doing it alone, that sort of thing, that sort of unity, that sort of fun. And, and I think Lizzie definitely took this as an opportunity to have quality time with Jenny. And, you know, I think that that's also great as well. Of course, part of it, there's this whole complexity with what we know about, you know, Lizzie and her uh, situation with Seton. And then also looking at when it comes to, um, what their what Lizzie and Ginny's dynamic has been like since Ginny has been married, especially considering this whole situation. And it's just obviously, I feel like a challenging thing because I feel like we continue to see that Lizzie kind of has this hope that she could open up more, but then obviously knows that it's kind of hard to express that. But, you know, her one way, I guess, of spending more time with Ginny is being like, oh yeah, maybe you should just casually drop that you know handkerchief so <laughs> you don't have to put it in the air so maybe we can hang out and spend more time together um so I thought that was you know quite quite funny as well but also just you know I think seeing those sort of situations with you know Mabel and Honoria and like oh are you flirting with me and it's like well you know you know so like those sort of like different cute moments do you, and things do you that see happening. another lesbian in this cast of course i'm flirting with you we're the only two in england right <laughs> so that was that was funny that was that was very cute oh uh, i think the lizzie situation look at it that that scene of eating marshmallow was so ridiculous literally i've never seen anyone bodge eating i mean they were so they were so clearly not eating i'm worried about them but anyway <laughs> Uh, but the other, the other, I, th I thought it was a, it was a curious blight in the middle of what I thought was a very good episode, because also she recovers from her sexual humiliation, sort of fairly instantly. Uh, she decides that she has shame, but it's not going to be hers; it's going to be his. She tells Guy about the about the situation without naming the person, so she has She's gone through <laughs> therapy and rehab all while sitting on the floor not eating marshmallow. But I it did does think it was a great conversation, though. For some reason, I was like... was great. And I was like, honestly, like, if Nan and Guy didn't end up together, I wouldn't mind a Lizzie Guy situation. I like Just Lizzie saying. Guy. Yes, Just saying. I did. Yes, I'm with you. So I think that her reconnection with Ginny is potentially out of concern for Ginny she can see but she can't say because if she says something Ginny will think she's jealous but she's in fact the opposite of jealous so I liked I liked them getting together
And Nan and Conchita just talking about love was just hysterical because, in a good way, because they're 17-year-old girls with very little experience uh, and, and some education but not a lot uh, pontificating about love. And it, I thought it was absolutely charming because we also know that Conchita is leaving her husband but amicably. So it's like it's showing us another way that these women can be. She's going to leave the house of his family and set up in a house nearby, one assumes, and he very politely asks if he if he may visit. And she, it's almost like she's not, what, what, why would you even ask that? In a way, she's not leaving Lord Richard. She's leaving Lord Richard's house and family. And so they are going to have uh, something of a marital relationship in a different house, however, that's going to be set up. So it's this idea of new ways of, of being in relationships that I appreciated very much. And the other thing about all the women escaping is they, they don't care about this contest. The men really care about the contest very much. Uh, and that also feeds into the idea of Theo always wins. Theo always wins. Uh, good for you, Theo. See, yeah, good for you, Theo. And we start to dislike him. Ooh, we don't like you anymore, Theo. Uh, before I was like, oh, poor Theo. He, he loves her and she loves guy and guy loves it you know but now i think they're they're turning on the the writers and the makers are turning on theo and allowing us to turn on him can i say you one know, thing presumably too? you can so say whatever one, you want well this one thing i want to say is actually pivoting to episode four but i feel like it's still slightly relevant and it's about theo so kind of that situation where nan was getting ready to tell theo theo basically kind of responds like you know like if it's anything like negative i don't really want to hear it um so, you know, I think that kind of goes along with the trope where it's like you're trying to tell somebody something and then you don't, you know, and it, it, then eventually it potentially might get worse and we'll we'll see what happens with that. But I feel like also just the fact that this guy will not listen to what potentially, you know, these challenges Nan potentially want to tell him about also, I think, causes alarm to me, especially considering, you know, they're planning to get married. I get that he wants all happiness and whatnot but you know it wasn't necessarily about what he thought it could have been about you know because he was probably thinking about his bestie and the feelings that are there and stuff like that because that was also another thing I think that was interesting is that we kind of had, had seen Theo kind of trying to reiterate like do you want to be with me right like are you sure you want to be with me like you want to be with me Yes. trying to get that reassurance but obviously nan was like oh yeah sure but like she has no idea yeah. why the, uh, ne ne neediness is not attractive but yes of course he thinks that she's going to say something about guy uh and so he does not want to hear it because once said it cannot be unsaid yeah it, interesting we're, we're getting look i think it would be too strong to call it complexity but we are we are getting a few more threads winding around, winding around, which I think is is going to be fascinating. Talk about Nan finding Guy up in the up in the tower, up some circular psycho stairs, which I love to see. She wants to find out what's in the telegram. He's thinking heavily because now he has to switch over his thinking when he thought that she had the telegram and he hadn't said she hadn't said anything and he had to think one way. Now he's got to think another way. And they do this sort of angry argument and we're just going, kiss, kiss, kiss. How did you feel that this was handled? I felt the dialogue was a bit confusing for me, more from Nan's perspective, because 
I first of all, like, but I'm also like, how is Guy really that intolerable? I don't really feel like I've got the sense, like, yeah, okay, he left you the one time, and then, but then he came back, and you heard he came back, so I don't know, I don't feel like he's done anything, like, I don't, like, I don't feel like this is, like, a enemies to lover situation, so I, I think I was just confused with the language that was used in terms of why she was, like, you know, mad, because he's like, but then she started saying, like, where do you find the audacity? Like, I'm getting married to your best friend. And it's like. I think that's fear, though. I saw that yeah, as fear. Yeah, that's fair. Because, you that's know, if fair. She gets, if she gets drawn in by Guy's passion and her misunderstanding about love, because she says, you know, it's uncomfortable to be around you, therefore I can't possibly be in love with you. Oh, sweetie, that's sexual tension. You just didn't you didn't ride a horse quite enough to to get to cure yourself of that. So I sort of understood her anger. I do agree the dialogue was a little a little muddy because they're shouting at each other so we get to the kiss, I suppose. He he's also angry. Like, why why are you angry? Why are you he's angry? angry? He's angry because Nan is saying all of this nonsense and won't really give him the chance to explain himself. She's just like, well, mm. you left me and, you know, your bestie is engaged to me, so you shouldn't be talking to me. But then you're confusing me with the whole wood chopping situation and the speeches about how you wanted to fall in love with someone who's your equal how dare you? And I'm just like, what? <laughs> How dare like, you be my perfect man? And so he, in in true fashion, the only way to shut her up is to kiss her. I thought it was interesting because we get this kiss between these two and the end of the episode is the kiss between Theo and Nan. And I thought this is a very unerotic kiss. And I thought, oh, maybe it's supposed to be. Because I must say the kiss between Guy and Nan was fabulous. No wonder she runs away. She's all confused. Her lady parts are aflame and she doesn't know quite what to do. It was fantastic. I guess it was just the unfortunate, I guess, situation because I, I, I like decided to rewatch the end because I just wanted to make sure and it looked like at least in that situation with the Theo Nan kiss, you know, Guy did see it and then that then he was burning, you know, like putting out the bonfire yeah. So I guess that was like a the bit, awkward. A bit heavy-handed, but you know, I'll let it. I'll let it pass. I'll let it so pass. I guess it was more like, oh, he saw this. Okay, the kiss. Oh, great, this isn't ideal. Okay, now I'm gonna put out this fire and the end of the episode, or you know, I'm something of that sort. Down my own flames. Yes. So what do you think is going to happen? Here we are. We're just over halfway through. We have three episodes to go, and. What what do you think broadly is going to happen? You know, because it could question. it's Edith Wharton, so it could end unhappily. It's not Bridgerton, where we know that everybody's going to end up sort of spoiler alert, you know, fairly happy. What, what what do you think? Do you think the modern sensibility is going to alter an ending? Do we know what she intended? We haven't read the book, so listener, if you've if you've read the book, let us know. Uh, so what at this point in the story, what do you feel the may happen? Uh, so I feel like there's some possibilities. And again, for those who are familiar with the story, I'm just making up hypotheticals. I, I don't really know. Um, we have so- kept ourselves strictly unspoiled. We haven't read outlines. Uh, we haven't watched ahead. We are We are talking about it as we go. 
Exactly. Um, so I guess there are some possibilities. I feel like it, normally in stories like this, theoretically, we would probably see maybe Nan and Guy together, but I'm just trying to figure out how we would get there considering what just happened. However, I wonder if that were to happen and and if Guy and Nan were endgame, then I think something would have to happen between Theo and Nan. So does Theo now find out the secret? Does that impact things? Is that result in maybe does he respond even worse than potentially, you know, Guy would have said so that maybe leads them back to one of another? Does, you know, I think another possibility is potentially Lizzie ends up being vocal with Ginny and others about what happened with her and Seton. But I guess the question is, how is that taken? Is it resulting in negative? Because I feel like in some ways, you know, maybe it would result in a positive impact. But I feel like for some reason, if, you know, this author has written things where you don't necessarily see happy endings, maybe it backfires. Maybe it's not necessarily a positive outcome for her being open about this. Um, I, I, I feel like maybe with the times, probably I, I wouldn't necessarily see, you know, maybe the Mabel and Honoria thing working out. But then again, it's like, you know, this, we just saw this sort of situation where she's like, no, we can't, you know, play pretend anymore. We can't act this out anymore. So is the question is, is this the conclusion for them? But then I'm just like, but we still have a few episodes left. So then I wonder if maybe they're going to reconcile in some way, right? Because I think that could also be a possibility considering this isn't the finale episode and we still have a few episodes left. Um, so I think there are those sort of questions or thoughts or theories that I have. Um, but again, I, I think the thing is we know that Theo doesn't know the secret, right? Because the time Nan tried to tell him, he didn't want to hear anything. So from this point, the question is, if he hears a secret, which he probably will, knowing the story... How is he going to respond oh, to that? And how is that going to impact their potential marriage, right? So, but I, I, so that's the question. Or maybe, maybe he's going to have sense in his head and realize that he was awful and that maybe that guy should have man. I don't know. I'm just kidding. I mean, who knows? Who I, knows? I don't know if he's that generous. Yeah. I mean, one imagines that, he, that Nan and Guy will end up together that's to me seems to be the way it's going now whether she goes through with her marriage to Theo before that I don't know I think Ginny and Seden are locked in this unhappy marriage for the rest of their lives it's happy for Seden because he's completely in charge this reflects her own mother's unhappy marriage as for Mabel and Honoria I mean domestic partnerships uh, between two women not necessarily sexual, as far as society is concerned. Oh, two spinsters who will combine their households and live together was an accepted way of uh, queer people not having to marry, uh, being able to have their relationships. They were seen as special friends, but perhaps uh, their sexuality wasn't spoken of. It's... It's hard to know. I could have predicted that for them, except Mabel has made this very strong statement that she doesn't want to pretend. I'm not sure where she's going to go, where she doesn't have to. 
hide who she is, uh, but I'm intrigued. And I suppose I did say in our in our very first episode that I did want some depth in their relationship, so I'm certainly getting that, but it's hard to see where that's going to go. I think Lizzie's going to make a brilliant match with somebody we perhaps haven't seen uh, because guy is nans, nan is guys, and we don't want to muddy that. As you say, Guy and Lizzie's a great match, but he loves another. So yes. I think some are going to end unhappily. It is a drama and not a comedy. It is a romantic drama or a dramatic romance, whichever way you want to say it. But I have to say that this episode has sort of sprung awake. It took a bit took a bit of a while back in ears uh, to get to this point. It's still very contemporary. It's still, if you're an Edith Wharton purist, it's not for you. It's still, if you are worried about anachronisms, it's not for you. But I think there's enough story there and enough intrigue, and now we're finally getting a little bit of dimension for the characters and the relationships that I'm looking forward to the next three episodes. Me too. I think also one thing that's interesting is, you know, even though, you know, I think it's clear that Theo is like, you know, I want Nan for myself. You know, I'm going to embarrass you in front of Nan. I'm going to say all these things about you in front of Nan. He still seems to care for his friend in some way because he, you know, is like, oh, well, like, why didn't you tell me like this was happening? Like, I could help you out financially. But obviously, I think, you know, guys like, I don't want you to help me out. I mean, you know, I think also just to not show that obviously that he had been well, he's dealing still wins, with this right? time, right? Theo still yeah, wins exactly. if he lends him money. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And so that's the thing is that Theo will continue to have this sort of power over Guy in saying like, you know, continue to continue that 15 year winning streak. Um, mm-hmm. And that, and I think that obviously he's like, well, I can't let him win. I can't show him that I'm weak. I can't show him that I don't have money or that I need a handout or help regardless if we're close friends or not. And so that's, I think, the added the added challenge. But it is quite interesting because even when they're playing poker, like he's like, oh, well, I can I can help you out or whatever. And then he's like, yes. no, that's, that's okay, right? But he's still like, Nan, just so you know, I have the money and, you know, Guy doesn't. And I'm just like. And yeah. Guy only wanted you for the money, which we know is not true. Yes. Right. Interesting. Exactly. Well, intriguing to see. Uh, interest is peaked, and we shall see what happens next. Consider becoming a Post Show Recaps patron. Get early access to podcasts as well as Patreon exclusive podcasts. You can sign up at patreon.com slash postshowrecaps or postshowrecaps.com slash Patreon. Any level gets you access to the Discord and merch is available at higher levels. And if you just want merch, head to the store. Postshowrecaps.com slash store is your place to buy your post-show recaps merchandise, including T-shirts, mugs, or a hat, exclamation point. Geneva, what have you got going on and where can the people find you? People can find me at Peace Love Jen on Twitter, like Jen, like Geneva for short. Um, And that's where I'm tweeting about all the reality shows that I'm watching. Also, you can always head to my link tree on my social media account to see what podcasts or other things that I'm doing. I post all my updates up in there, so you can definitely check that out. How about you, Sarah? What are you up to? What's going on? 
Well, people can follow me if they'd like to do that, at Sarah Carradine on all the things. Here on Post Show Recaps, I'm covering A Murder at the End of the World with Latonya Starks and The Artful Dodger with Brooklyn Z. Every Tuesday over on RHAP, Reality TV Rehap Ups, Murray Forth and I bring you a true crime review on Crime Scene. That's S-E-E-N. And on Silent Podcasts, Annabelle Fiddler and I wrapped up our coverage of The Amazing Race Australia Celebrity Edition. But you can tune in to hear our conversation with the great Jessica Lees, who has a PhD in The Amazing Race, as we talk all things Amazing Race, and she will A, all of our cues. So watch the Buccaneers episode six. It's Christmas and send us your comments and questions. For now, remember, four queens.